Podcast and Amplify listeners. Welcome back to the show. This is a very special bonus episode because this is my very first podcast takeover episode. So I've never done this before. No one's ever come on and taken over the show. So what that will look like is I am speaking with the fabulous Sarah Khan about her new podcast that she just dropped. And we'll chat a little bit about that episode. She was actually a client. We worked together to get this podcast out and into the world. I love it. I've been like waiting each week for episodes. I think this is week three. And then um, you'll get to hear the entire episode from her podcast. It's called Why Entrepreneurship is Broken. I think it's a perfect episode for this audience. I love Sarah's fresh take on entrepreneurship in general. So without further ado, Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And what a wonderful intro. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, about uh, your business. So my business is called Corporate Rehab Strategic Consulting, and I am the chief ease officer to high achieving women, generally women who have left the traditional workplace to take up space as entrepreneurs. I've been in business for over 20 years, and this particular sort of entrepreneurial journey, it just kicked up so many things for me that I had brought over from the corporate space. And so everything just kind of worked out the way it did. And and I thought, okay, these are the things that I have to overcome in in my life and in my mindset to be able to have a viable business that allows me to thrive. And what I started to see was patterns in other women who'd left traditional workplaces to start entrepreneurship. And there was just something there. And so now I work with those women to help rehabilitate the beliefs and the behaviors that they brought from the workplace into their businesses so that they can actually have a business that not only allows them to thrive, but allows them to be free. And that includes freedom from all of the online nonsense that we are bombarded with on a daily basis. And so what I say is I help women liberate themselves from the hustle-focused status quo of entrepreneurship to find the simplest path from where they are now to where they want to be. I love that. And so that really lends into the name of your podcast, which is Business Blasphemy, which yes. when we were first having our initial chats, when you said that name, I'm like, oh, I love it. <laughs> I love this. Um, <laughs> just like challenging the status quo. Um, I think you're really good at helping us to think about, yeah, these norms in entrepreneurship that shouldn't be, right? That we maybe carried over from corporate or just kind of everyone is out there saying the same thing, but if we really stop and look at it, it's kind of like, hmm, why? And why are we doing the things this way? And I like that your perspective is not only fresh, it is challenging the status quo, but it's not in a way that's like, you know how some people just kind of shout things out because yeah. they want to be the opposing you know, contrarian voice. And you're like, is there a lot of substance there? Mm, I'm not <laughs> sure. I think it's just clickbaity. But um, I know when I, in our conversations and in these episodes that I'm listening to, I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of intention behind what she's saying. There's a lot of common sense. And just like, we, I just feel like, oh, we need that voice. You know, we need someone to help us think about things differently and kind of remind us to prioritize ourselves, you know, think about 
um, just things in a, in a different way. So tell me a little bit about, I guess, that driver behind your podcast. Well, when I started the podcast, I, I would, I'd had the idea for the podcast for years, and we can talk about that later. Um, but for me, what was really challenging as I was building my business was this idea of you either have to do it this way or this way, and there's nothing in between. And so it's either you know full on hustle or it's we've got to step into our feelings and lead from our hearts, which I mean, both of those pieces are valid in the right context. And it just, it started to get really frustrating every time I was wanting to do something in my business and was just told by coaches and consultants and other people in the space, you know, quote unquote experts, that this was the only way to do it. And it didn't allow space for me to tap into my values. It didn't allow space for me to try to do things differently. So a lot of what I talk about is I'm not saying any one way is right or wrong because obviously those tactics work and they've brought people, you know, money, but we are changing as a society and and really the the MO of my podcast and all of the work that I do is just allowing a different perspective, allowing space to look at the common mainstream advice that's out there and think, okay, does this align? Does this actually feel good? The first few years of my business, I was doing what everybody told me to do and none of it felt good. And because it didn't feel good, I didn't implement it properly. I didn't implement it fully. I didn't stand behind it. My messaging was weak because I didn't believe it myself. And instead of being given the space to evaluate that messaging or, you know, the, the tactics I was being told, I was told I didn't want it hard enough or I wasn't trying hard enough or I had mindset blocks. And that kicked up a ton of imposter syndrome which didn't make sense because I was coming into this space with 20 plus years of, of experience in business. And so it, for me, it was asking myself, where's the disconnect? And that's really where, where everything kind of sprouted from. And now it's just hopefully, you know, starting a movement, <laughs> trying to get people to change their perspective. Yeah. I love, I love starting movement. <laughs> um, so tell me about you know, I mentioned that we worked together and it mm -hmm. was a great experience in my opinion. Um, it was. And so tell me what you were struggling with when we first started talking and, and what kind of led you to um, seek out support. Oh gosh, I have wanted to start a podcast for a, for a long time. Um, if I'd had the information that I have now, I probably would have started this three years ago. Um, but I think that was the thing for me. It was, I, I don't want to start something just for the sake of starting it. Just like, I don't want to make statements for the sake of being con you know, contrarian. And so there was a lot of uncertainty around, you know, how do I actually set it up? I don't want it to be weak. I don't want it to be something that I just give a half-hearted start to. And then five episodes in, I, I bail because it's, it's not fulfilling me or it doesn't feel right. And so it was, you know, that classic tactic of I'll just I'll wait until things make sense. And you just keep waiting and waiting and waiting. And we met through um, Success Revolution Society. And shout out to SRS. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I loved I just loved your vibe. I loved um, just everything about you felt like I like this person and I need to know more about what she does. And when I learned that you worked with entrepreneurs on podcasting, it was a no brainer. I had to learn more about what you did. And I think the best thing about working with you was the validation that I was ready. I'd been ready for a while. I just needed to pull all of those nebulous thoughts out of my head 
and put them down on paper. My, my biggest fear was I don't have enough to talk about. And I still sometimes wake up in the morning and go, what am I going to talk about this week? And I go back to this incredible spreadsheet that we created together that has over 30 ideas that I could easily talk about. And that for me, I think was, I mean, you provided so much value in our work together, but that was probably the one piece that just made me go, oh, this was so worth it. Because I had like a year's worth of content mapped out, you know, and you did it so easily that honestly, you're, you're a freaking genius. Oh, you, you're making me blush. <laughs> you're so sweet. Um, and yeah, isn't that funny? Like different people, you know, they, that's like the one thing that they get from that experience, but you're right. Mm -hmm. Like having that space to just brainstorm and it kind of sounds simple, but it's like, sometimes you just need someone to hold the space. You need to, yeah. it helps to know that the person doing that with you is a creative person. Um, and yeah. you know, they get where you're coming from, they get your ideas and it's like, you know, all, all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, it's kind of easy to get to a year's worth of content ideas. And so it was also funny to me that you weren't sure and not funny, like, you know, haha, but like, <laughs> I was like, wow, she doesn't like hear that her voice is really, cause like when I listen to people, I guess because of what I do, I'm always kind of like have an ear, you know, like, oh, Huh, like sometimes I'm like, oh, they would be really good at a podcast. And you're definitely one of those people. And then I didn't know that you had this whole other like speaking path that you're taking and aspiration. So uh, for me, I was like, oh, this is like a no brainer. And <laughs> <laughs> we just need to like get together and make this magic happen. So <laughs> absolutely. And, and the other thing that, you know, I will say that people don't often want to admit because we're all human. The other piece of it was the validation that I could do it, right? That I had the voice, that I had the ideas that I, you know, and being able to see it come together in the way that really aligned with who I was and how I wanted to do it, but also balanced with, you know, advice about, well, this is going to work better or it should be done in this, in this kind of way. And, and not because that's what you said, but because here's the stats behind it. Here's, you know, the the actual tangible proof about this working more than this. And so there was, there was a lovely balance in the way you held that space. You allowed me to explore what I wanted things to sound like and look like tempered with, and this is what works in the podcast space. So it just, you know, it wasn't just one end of the spectrum or the other. It was like a holistic experience, which was really wonderful. Oh, I love that. I love that. My, my goal is to like, always, you know, like honor the person, right. And, and what works for them. And then there's also, you know, you have to ground it in the reality of podcasting space. So Absolutely. I love that you, you highlighted that. Um, so speaking of this experience that led to this podcast, that is freaking fantastic. So the episode that we're going to um, play for this this episode here on Podcast and Amplify is episode one, I believe, Why Entrepreneurship is Broken. So that's an exciting title and I've listened to it. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Um, so if you could tell us a little bit about the episode, what inspired it, let me just pull a quote from it because it, it made me laugh. So and one of, I can't remember at what point you said this, in the episode, but you said you can't make six figures working one hour a day from your phone. And to me, that was like, 
Yeah, that's kind of the message that we're told around entrepreneurship that like this is possible. And if you're not able to do that, you're doing it wrong. So that set this episode up for us a little bit. Awesome. Okay. So this episode, I wanted it to be the premiere episode because it really kind of sets the foundation for everything that I want to do in this podcast. And it is looking at the mainstream advice, you know, the status quo that we are constantly sold about how entrepreneurship is easy and it's simple and you just need to do this and you can make six figures. And, you know, the, the idea, the idea of what success should look like, what businesses should look like, how we're supposed to show up and just the unrealistic expectations of people who have maybe never had business experience coming in as business owners and being told they're CEOs and they have to have a certain mindset and basically questioning all of the things that we hear on a daily basis, breaking them down and saying, look, I understand that you know mindset, yes, does play a role in it and foundation does play a role in it. And all of these things do play a holistic role. However, you still have to understand that a business is a business is a business. And it's all of these unrealistic expectations and promises which set people up to fail when really they could have succeeded if they just shifted their perspective a little bit about how long things actually take and what they take. So that's really what the episode is all about. And it kind of sets you up for, for more later on. Awesome. So we are going to play that episode. Just as a disclaimer, Sarah is unvarnished. <laughs> there are curse words, which I personally love because that's just her voice. And, you know, sometimes you got to use a good curse word. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, in my opinion... So I just wanted to uh, put that little disclaimer, but I've listened to all of her episodes so far and you will not be disappointed. So enjoy this episode of Business Blasphemy. Sarah, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you. Welcome to the Business Blasphemy podcast, where we question the sacred truths of the online business space and the reverence with which they're held. I'm your host, Sarah Khan, speaker, strategic consultant, and BS-busting badass. Join me each week as we challenge the norms, trends, and overall bullshit status quo of entrepreneurship to uncover what it really takes to build the business that you want to build in a way that honors you, your life, and your vision for what's possible, and maybe piss off a few gurus along the way. So if you're ready to commit business blasphemy, let's do it. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Business Blasphemy Podcast. This is episode one. I wanted to set some context for today's episode before I dive right in. While I am a coach slash consultant, I do still work as an operations professional. I've been working in an operations capacity for over 20 years, both in corporate and as an entrepreneur. I still work as a director of operations for a select number of retainer clients because I truly believe that you should keep doing the thing that you coach on and you consult on if you want to stay relevant and keep your expertise sharp. So I'm still in operations circles. And that's how today's topic came to be. It was something that really, really bothered me. And I hemmed and hawed about what this premiere episode should honestly be about. And truly this, this feels right. So I'm going to preface the whole thing by saying, here's my disclaimer, that what I'm talking about today doesn't apply to everyone. Obviously, I get it. I'm making some major generalizations, but I also see a lot of this in the online business space and have seen a lot of it over the years. And I've had clients come to me to help fix this over the years. So while I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination, this applies to everybody, it definitely applies. I want to talk about 
expectations in the online business space and why entrepreneurship feels broken as a result. A while ago, I was sent a post for an operations manager position, an independent contractor role, with a company where the CEO was very open about they make easy seven figures every year, they have the money. I viewed the role on my cell phone because I do occasionally, like I said, take on operations clients. Now, the job spec was seven screen lengths long. Seven. Not the entire ad, the duties required. That's it. Like not the rest of the ad with all of the other peripheral information, just what they expected this person to do. It covered everything from operations management, team management, personal assistant tasks. There was client management in there. There was client facing work. There was hiring and onboarding of new team members, launch management, social media, like a ton of stuff, seven screen lengths long. And I have right now, as of this recording, an iPhone 12 Pro Max. So it's a big fucking screen. It's not like a tiny little one, seven screen lengths. And the pay, the pay for this role was $15 an hour. They wanted the moon and the stars for what some college kids could make at the average part-time job. And this isn't as uncommon as you think. It's no secret to many operations professionals that the reality of how much time, money, skill it takes to support the building and running of a business is lost on a lot of new entrepreneurs and, and a lot of established ones too. And that's not necessarily their fault, right? If you're, if you're new to business, it's not something you would know unless you had experience in it. So I'm not blaming anyone for not knowing what they don't know. What I have seen too often, however, is established business owners, some big names, supporting this kind of business practice, you know, little pay for the moon and stars. And then they say that it's okay on any level. They encourage it. They practice it. This sparked a lot of conversation in my circles recently, both offline and online. And it really, really bothered me, especially in light of some of my peers leaving entrepreneurship recently to go back to roles in the traditional workplace. Now there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but in the context of this conversation, this particular topic, it's not ideal. So that's why I want to say that. The feedback that I got from all of these conversations encouraged me to share this topic today. And I'm calling it my state of the union of entrepreneurship. It's unfiltered, it's uncomfortable, but it's absolutely necessary. So buckle the fuck up. Here we go. Entrepreneurship, my friend, like I said, is broken. That's the state of business today in the online space. The number of incredible, talented entrepreneurs who are leaving, some after 10 plus years in the space is concerning, right? And I'm not talking about other things, other factors like recession and all of that stuff. I'm talking solely about because of the practices that are happening in the online space. The number of businesses shutting down, the number of solo business owners getting traditional jobs, full or part-time to help cover the bills or who just want out of this completely exhausting game of how can I make the most money possible for the least investment possible and I don't care who gets stepped on along the way. Why is it happening? Why are so many people leaving or feeling discouraged, feeling like they aren't cut out for entrepreneurship? Well, the reason I think many of us feel disillusioned and exhausted stems from the unrealistic expectations by other entrepreneurs who have no idea what it actually takes to run a business, a legitimate business, because they hear from these gurus, these experts who tell them that this is how easy it is. Four day work week, four hour work week, whatever the fuck that book was, right? And so you you have this new generation of entrepreneurs who don't want to hear about how a business plan is important, how sustainability is key, how mission and vision are critical. And, you know, understanding that values play a role in your business longevity and understanding how to actually embody 
those values, right? How you need a realistic strategy. Here's the thing. Realistic is a dirty word in entrepreneurship. The minute you start talking about realistic, someone's going to get, you know, uh, pissed off. They're going to try to fucking gaslight you into thinking your mindset's a problem or that you don't want it bad enough or you need to try harder, or you're not willing to do the work, blah, 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 blah. I hear this all the time. Realistic is a dirty word. Okay. I'm, I'm going off on a tangent. Hold on a second. Where was I? Uh, Oh yeah. We have this new generation of entrepreneurs who don't want to hear how you can't make six figures working one hour a day from your phone. It's not possible. I don't care what the marketing says. You know how those of us who are here to help entrepreneurs build a legacy business. And I'm speaking on behalf of operators and implementers, you know, we want to help you build a business that's actually going to help you achieve your financial goals and survive past the three-year mark. We are sick of hearing we have mindset issues or abundance blocks because we actually understand what it takes to build and grow a business. Because we are a culture of I want it now, I want it all, and I want it for little to nothing. There are so many business owners who don't actually want to put in the work and they see the smoke and mirrors, flashbang marketing that promises them the moon and then delivers a shit sandwich as the authority. And the tactic, that tactic is everywhere. And it preys on the desperation of people who start businesses because they really need to make money and they want their businesses to work. And I was in that position several years ago. I left my job. I had a business. I really needed it to work. So I feel that. I understand what that feels like to to want to believe that all of these claims that you know big fancy celebpreneurs are making are real. And what I've learned is that there's an impatience in the space, an impatience that is nurtured by a lot of the rhetoric being shared by a lot of coaches about collapsed timelines and how you can work less and make more. When the reality is that's not always possible for entrepreneurs, especially in the early years of business, or how pivoting frequently is the way to bust out of a rut or, you know, when a launch doesn't go as planned, just switch it up. The reality is some business owners don't want to wait for shit to work. Because so many people are telling us we shouldn't have to. And this then becomes the problem of operations team members, implementers, whether it's a VA or an ops manager or an OBM or an integrator, whatever the fuck you want to call them, because they're the ones who have to build and pivot and constantly try to keep the infrastructure of the business from collapsing because the business owner got a case of FOMO or shiny object syndrome or was wooed by an influencer coach who told them they could get their goals faster by doing X, Y, Z with no real understanding of where that business owner actually is in the entrepreneurial journey. You know, like what stage are they at? What stage is their business at? Because everybody wants their 10K in 10 days, their five figure months, their six figure years, but they aren't truly willing to work and wait for it because that coach with the Louis Vuitton handbag and the Range Rover sipping champagne in the pool over on Instagram has convinced you that you just need to high vibe, charge double, and you too can be just like her. That's creepy, right? That voice is creepy. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. And that feels so much more fun and so much more easy than actually doing the hard work. Strategy, planning, financials, metrics, tweaking and trying again, really working on your offers and selling them consistently for months, not abandoning them the minute they don't work. You know, doing the stuff that is boring as shit, that's what's going to make you money long term, consistently without having to constantly pivot and hustle. Also, what many business owners don't realize is that so many of those celebpreneurs who make six to seven figures are also spending an almost equivalent amount of money on team members, marketing, ads, systems, every single year just to keep the bus running. 
and they've been at it for years. They have been at it for years. They're not talking about the five, 10, 15 years they've already been in business. They're talking about this last year when it finally all came to a head and they started making money. They want you to believe otherwise because it's way sexier to think they went from zero to 60 in under six months or under a year. And the lack of transparency around those numbers is beyond unethical at this point. I have worked in operations for years, which means I've seen the back end of a lot of businesses that are making serious money. And I can tell you without a doubt, the vast majority of the time, what you see in front of the curtain doesn't match what's going on behind the scenes in any way. There's a lot of back-end systems chaos, if they even have systems, because a lot of them are winging it, and you know shit could collapse at any moment, which is why they have a vibe of hustle and urgency all the time. You see a lot of high turnover, and often, not always, right? This isn't me painting everyone with the same brush, but a lot of the time, you've got unhappy and underpaid team members who are often going to take the blame when things go, go wrong or don't go as planned because the business owner is unwilling to acknowledge that it's their decisions that drive the bus. Their team is just keeping that bus running. And it's that lack of understanding of how much work actually goes into building that bus that gets you $15 an hour roles that ask for everything under the sun. And that is just plain unsustainable for operations experts. They can only work so many hours in the day because they're implementing. And if they're not making enough money, they're not going to continue. That's obvious. I had a coaching client once who was working in an ops role for a business and the owner asked them, or asked the team, sorry, to build an entire product funnel for a launch. And it took the team probably two to three weeks to get it built. And then on a whim, right before the launch, decided they wanted to change how the upsell worked and how the funnel was structured, which also then required the writing of a whole new series of emails in their nurture sequence. And they were shocked when my client told them it would push the launch back another week or two weeks because the copywriter would have to put in another bucket of hours to, to fix all the emails. And then the tech person would have to put in another bucket of hours to ensure everything was connected in the back end and the triggers worked the way they were supposed to and you know forms went where they were supposed to. And the business owner literally just thought all that needed to be done was switching out a couple of buttons on the sales page. It's that lack of understanding. And I'm not saying every business owner has to understand every single aspect of their business. That's why you hire experts. Experts. That's why you outsource things. But it's that lack of understanding and really respecting the expertise and authority of operators that causes a lot of friction and frustration and obviously, you know, downright offense when operators and implementers see rules advertised at 10, 15, even $20 an hour. Oh my God. And don't get me started on the celeb coach I saw a little while ago saying that she pays $5 an hour to overseas team members. Because that is a conversation for another day and it's going to drum up some serious fight energy that I think y'all are going to need to prepare for. So we're not going to do it now. But man, did that really grind my gears. And finally, those same business owners, they often have an unsustainable business model that, that requires the constant hustling. And more often than not, no real take-home income because they spend as much as they make just to keep things afloat. Oh, okay. And while we're on the subject, no, Lauren, you can't make $250,000 in your first year. Let me explain. I had a discovery call last year with a prospective client who wanted to work with me in my one-to-one -one coaching consulting hybrid. And the first question she asked me was if I could guarantee that she'd make 250 k in her first year. Now, first of all, I don't make guarantees. I think it's, it's not really ethical to make guarantees because you can't guarantee because there are too many variables. Second, she couldn't actually tell me why 250 k was the number right? She just said, I, I heard the number being batted around. I thought that was a good goal. And when I said no, she looked at me like I'd physically slapped her. I didn't. It was a Zoom call. So here's what I told her. I said, 
Is it possible to make 250K in your first year without any vetted offers or audience or clients or lead gen or, or marketing content or anything like that? I'm not going to say it's impossible. It, it, it's Everything is possible, but it's highly unlikely. And if you do manage to make that much money in your first year, you will likely have invested the same amount or more just to make it in the first place. So then I laid out a plan for the three months that we would initially work together and explained, you know, we've got to build a solid foundation. We've got to figure out where your expertise is, what, what offer your particular audience is looking for that highlights your expertise. We'd create a simple marketing strategy, and then we'd start working and testing to get clients in the door to help test her offers. Never heard from her again because it was going to take three months, six months, nine months, whatever, because I wouldn't promise anyone I'd help them make that much money in their first year. I, I would never do that. I don't think anyone should. But the simple fact is she's not alone in her expectations or her definition of what a successful year looks like without an understanding of what it takes. It's not unusual. And friends, that is the sad part. Did you know that if you talk to any enterprise center or chamber of commerce about what it actually takes to build a successful business, they'll tell you straight that you are not likely to take a profit for the first three years. Three fucking years. A profit, as in money, left over after your expenses are paid, and maybe a salary. That's why so many entrepreneurs tend to leave at that point in the journey, because you go three years, right? A, a lot of them leave or dissolve the business because that three-year mark, that's, that's a long time to go without making serious money. But that's what no one wants to hear. That kind of talk is blasphemous. It goes against the tenets of the cult of entrepreneur guru, which I'm sure I've, you know, been banned from ever receiving an invite to, and I'll sleep just fine. Thank you very much. That kind of talk means I have no faith, no ability. No talent. I'm low vibe. My chakras aren't aligned. I have mindset issues. P.S. My mindset and chakras are great. They both get regular love and attention. It says not likely to make, okay, the advice from the chambers. Not that you absolutely can't. But again, are you going to hustle for it? Are you, are you going to continue hustling and living in a feast or famine mode where you make money sporadically and it's not consistent and you don't know if you're going to make money this month or not? Or are you willing to build a solid foundation and slowly make consistent money? Because you have a realistic plan with realistic expectations. Now, you may be thinking, why does this bother you so very much? Why is it getting you so worked up? Because we're all also told that people who complain about the status quo are stuck. I am tired of new entrepreneurs getting fleeced, putting all their money and time and energy into something that is not sustainable, not long-term. I am tired of people being told they don't have to invest in the unsexy stuff, that it's not necessary if they just tweak their mindset or take this program or invest in a team member or just launch a fucking course or program without any real clue as to how any of that's going to help or cost. Too many business owners don't know how to truly run a business that is still going to be here in three to five years. And too many are not willing to pay people who can actually help you run a long-term, sustainable, quality business what they actually deserve, given their expertise, their knowledge, and integrity. The whole fucking culture needs an overhaul because we are a culture that doesn't value value. We are a culture that doesn't value longevity and quality. And look what it's doing to us. How many of us are actually making a profit consistently? How many of us are actually paying ourselves a salary? How many of us are a year into our business and beating ourselves up because we're still only making a few thousand dollars a month, not five figures or six figures, if that, right? How many of us are happy and not stressed every single day wondering how we're going to hit our goals? Goals that we haven't even set based on what we want and can actually do given the realities of our lives, given our capacity. I see this with a lot of moms who are working businesses. 
I have drop off and pick up every day. I don't have a solid eight hours every day to work on my business, nor do I want to. I left corporate for that reason. I want to be able to have flexibility. And so I'm honest and realistic about how much time I have every week and what that means in terms of the number of clients I can serve. How many of us actually have a plan? And I'm not talking about a launch plan or a marketing plan. I'm talking about a business plan. Look, I want you to succeed. I truly, truly do. So much so that like, it's getting me worked up and I've done this whole episode, right? Because I know how it feels to want to succeed so badly and take back control of your life. But please, my friend, stop treating realistic like it's a dirty word. Take stock and make a plan. Understand what it really and truly takes to build the business that you want to build, the money that you need the time that you need to get things done, the steps that you need to be taking, truly taking, and which ones you can skip without detriment. Oh, and the support that you actually need. Find people who are willing to tell you the hard truths and then be willing to actually hear them and willing to pay them. So if I had to give you an action step at the end of all of this, it's to find time in these early months of the year to do the work, really digging into defining your mission, your vision, your values, what you stand for, what boundaries you want to set, what your actual financial goals are or should be. Uncover why you do what you do and who you want to serve. Lay the foundation of your business before you start worrying about creating a course or a program or a membership or launching a collective. Build the foundational pieces that are going to allow you to grow and pivot and make consistent income without hustling, without unnecessary stress. Like, yes, there is stress in business. That's that's not unavoidable, but the unnecessary stress. Build the foundational pieces that are going to allow you to support your business long-term, no matter what the space throws at you. And if you're already a few years in and all of this is new to you or you haven't done the work, it's okay. It's never too late. And you'd be surprised how much easier everything's going to feel when you go back and do the work. So if any of this has stirred something in you and you want to have a conversation that's a little more in-depth and a little more personal to you and your goals and your business, I'm offering free 30-minute consults in Q1 of this year. It's not a discovery call. It's an actual consult call to help you gain a little bit of clarity and help you identify critical next steps in your business for this year. So head to the show notes, click on the link, and book yours. I'm only offering 47 spaces in honor of having recently turned 47. And as of the recording of this episode, 10 of them are already gone. So go book yours now. There's no strings attached. There's no obligation. It's literally 30 minutes of my time and looking at what your business really needs to focus on this year. Because like I said, I want you to succeed because none of us started a business to not succeed at business. So that's all I have for today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to this premiere episode. And I just want to leave you with one final thought. Remember, you can have success without all of that BS. I'll talk to you soon. Welcome back. So did you love that episode or did you love it? I loved it. And I hope that you continue to support the Business Blasphemy podcast. You can check it out anywhere that you are listening to podcasts. And thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode, this podcast takeover episode. To me, that's the joy of podcasting is the collaborative nature of it and also the ability to experiment and to try on different things. The launch of season four is right around the corner. We will be back for a fresh, new, fantastic season on March 1st my birthday month just so happens to be. And I'm so excited to be back and to share meaningful conversations with you with some business owners, leaders, coaches, and then to also share what I've been learning along my podcasting journey 
as a podcaster, I'm always stretching and growing. And then I like to share those learnings and those findings with you. So I'll be bringing back those solo episodes as well. And if you're looking for more about podcasts and Amplify, podcasting resources, ways that we can work together, make sure to head over to podcastandamplify.com. That's where you can get all the goodness that we offer here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And remember your voice and what you have to say is needed in the world. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Podcast and Amplify. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And the best way to support this show is by sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast. For those of you who leave a review, you'll get the chance to win a 30-minute strategy session or a mini audit of your existing podcast. Thanks for listening. And remember, your voice and what you have to offer is needed in the world. Until next week, take care.